Uh, it is fantastic to be together. Uh, it's been a while since we did a North America thing, and man, it is good to see some faces we haven't seen in a long time. It's good. It's like we're family. So uh, let's get into it. Um, the beginning of this year, as an eldership team, something that we do every January, uh, we go away uh, at the beginning of the year for a few nights, and we cry out to God. We pray together. We connect. We have lots of fun, but we also cry out to God that God would speak to us. And uh, this particular year, uh, we are trusting for God to clearly speak to us. And that, like, we, we gave months in advance. Hey, God, we, guys, we need God to speak. And so um, as we begin to process what we believe God was speaking to us, we have a guy named Chris Mayfield. He's a marketplace elder. He's not here with us at this conference. But Chris Mayfield is an absolute gift. And uh, he works full-time, but he elders full-time. And uh, one of the things that he did is he took two days, two days off at his work to process and to hear from God. He went to a hotel and he just prayed and cried out to God. Uh, what a gift for that kind of elder. And uh, as he shared with us, he, he shared what he felt like God was saying. But one of the things that he shared with us was uh, a passage in Isaiah 58. And as soon as he shared it, we were overwhelmed. It just kind of felt like God was clearly speaking to us. And so we have spent some time processing this word as a prophetic word to us. And so what I'm going to do tonight isn't to give you a passage where I'm teaching through it exegetically. Uh, what we're doing tonight is me just processing, walking through a prophetic word that initially we felt God give to our church, One Life Church, but um, as I have been preparing for this particular moment, I think it's a, it's a word for the church. And so I want you to process this word for me, with me, for me, and with me. Uh, but I do believe tonight is an opportunity for us to hear from God. Not because I'm speaking, but because we want to see the gift of prophecy released in this place. So I'm going to talk, and then after I talk, here's what I'm trusting, and here's what I've been praying for for the last couple days, is that the spirit of prophecy would be released amongst us, that the gift of prophecy would be released amongst us. So I'm saying this in the front end to give some of you about 30 minutes to get a word for us. Not only individually, but for us as a movement, because I believe God wants to speak to us. So uh, let's process this together. Uh, we're just going to read two verses, and I believe it's two compelling pictures of what the church is intended to be. So we'll, just to give a context, because we're only reading two verses, we're not going to work in through the entire passage. Context, context. All right, so reading this. Uh, this prophecy in Isaiah is written to a particular people, to a particular place, in a particular time, so we can say that this passage isn't written to us. But that doesn't mean that it's not written for us, because we are God's people, and God's word has eternal value, and God's heart for his people. Then it's the same that he has for us as his people. And so this prophecy here in Isaiah rightly inspires more prophecy that is applicable for us 
today. So I want us to receive and open up our ears and listen to what God has to say to us. So Isaiah 58, here's what's happening. Um, Through Isaiah the prophet, God is giving a conditional promise to the people. There's a promise and it's an invitation. And the promise is conditional. An invitation requires a response, and that's what Isaiah is doing. He's giving an if-then statement. This entire chapter is loaded with if-then. If you do this, then I will do this. So what is Isaiah as God's prophet speaking to the people? He's calling them to repent. He's calling them to change their ways. They were a people that were going through religious motions. They were going to church or they were praying. They were worshiping. They were so hardcore that they were fasting. I mean, by appearances, like this is real spiritual maturity. But God knew the condition of their hearts and their hearts were out of alignment. They were doing religious things, but they were living compromised lives. They were doing things that God clearly told them not to do. They weren't living righteously. They were mistreating people. They were allowing people to participate in injustice and oppression. They were fighting and hurting one another. They weren't taking care of the poor. They were doing a bunch of religious things and they were looking the part. They looked spiritual, but their lives were out of alignment with God's pattern for them. And the indictment through Isaiah is they were seeking their own pleasure. So in response, God says, I won't listen to you unless you repent, unless you turn to your ways, unless you submit all of your life to me and be wholeheartedly, wholehearted to me in all areas of your life. I'm not gonna listen. I'm not gonna bless you unless you're wholehearted and devoted. And this is where the if-then statement comes because God through Isaiah is saying, if you do this, if you turn to me, then I'm gonna pour out my blessing upon you. And this is what we want in the church. We want to see God pour out his blessing. Let's see God pour out his blessing. We cannot expect God to bless us if we are not following him wholeheartedly. We cannot expect God to bless our churches if we're not wholeheartedly following him in all areas of our life, not going through religious motions, but doing the thing right. Many people are shocked by the if-then statements of Christianity. It's like, we're saved by grace, brother. We got it all. Actually, like, there's a whole bunch of if-then statements. John 15, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. What's the context? If you don't abide in me, you can do nothing. Like, we gotta respond. It's like, we want to be blessed by God. We gotta follow God's way. And so we have to come to terms with the fact that there's things God will not do if we do not do our part. We are desperate for God to move through our churches. We're desperate for God's presence and his spirit to come upon our churches and work through our churches. So here's where we get to the good part. The good part. Isaiah 58, 11. Here's what it says. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up a foundation of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. And this is a beautiful picture of what I believe God wants to do in our churches. 
God wants to do some amazing things through our churches. And I think there's a prophetic moment right now. We need to be listening to what God is doing. We're looking at God do some things in our nation, Asbury, and, and many people responding, just saying, man, I'm hungry for God. It's not tricks. It's people just desperate to be in God's presence. Like, that's what we want. So let's just walk through this passage and, um, and look at what I believe God wants the church to look like in this present time, what we should be crying out for. First, it tells us a watered garden, a watered garden, springs of water whose waters does not fail. Where water is, there's life, and all throughout Scripture we see this water as a picture of the life of God coming to people, making people alive. A watered garden is where life is, where the life of God is. And we want God to be active among us in our churches. Like, I don't know about you, but I don't want to go through religious motions, working really hard, manufacturing energy, and then slapping the God label on it. See what God's doing when it's really our own efforts. And I want to see God's activity amongst us. I want people to come into our church and say, wow, God is really among us. I mean, that's the desperate cry of our hearts. We want his presence. We want his life. We want his power. One of the marks of God's grace in our church right now is so many people are coming into our doors and saying, wow, God is really among us. God is really here. I'm coming just because we come in and we sense God's presence. Praise God. That's what we're crying out for. Like I have a, a guy that's been coming. He's a leader. He's a better preacher than me, better gifted guy than me. I'm like, why are you coming to our church? And every single Sunday he's come, he can't help but weep. He's weeping. And he's not weeping because he's so amazed at all the stuff in our church or amazed at the preaching because he's seen better everywhere. He's experienced the presence of God. I'm like, God, thank you. Thank you. We're seeing people touched by God's presence recently. We have a story. Chris Mayfield. This guy's like a hero of an elder. <laughs> Let me tell you another story of Chris. This has just happened. So he's paddleboarding. and this guy works so hard and like he's desperate. His filling time, his me time, as he goes on a paddleboard, he goes to the bayous where we're at in Houston and he's always sending me photos of big old crocodiles that he's paddleboarding next to. This is like life-giving for him. And so he's supposed to get done, done, the sun's going down, he needs to get home to his family, have dinner. And so he's packing up his paddleboard and this guy comes to him in desperation and says, man, I've lost my keys in the water. I can't find, I've been looking for them for hours. I can't find them. I, 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 we have one car, um, my phone's in the car. I can't call my wife. I can't give her a ride to work. So like Chris has, has this moment, ah, all right, I'll help you. So Chris's strategy was, okay, we're gonna go to the hardware store. We're gonna buy a big old magnet. We're gonna attach a pole to it and we're gonna look for the keys. And so they get in the car, they go. And as they are driving, this guy just begins to open up his life and he's just in the worst spot of his life. I mean, bad situation. They just lost their kid. I mean, they was, I think the kid was five years old. Devastating. And so he is able to express love, compassion to him. They make it back 
to the water, to the dock. And Chris just says, hey man, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I think, is it okay if we pray? I just wanna pray that God helps us find these keys. So the guy says, sure, pray. So they start praying. The guy takes the pole, puts it in the water, pulls the pole out, and the keys are on the magnet. The guy goes, I'm coming to your church. <laughs> so that next week, he didn't know what was planned. We didn't know his plan. We didn't even know he was coming. He was sitting in the front row. I didn't know who he was. And I threw out the net, which we don't normally do. And there was a moment in the service, we talked about being born again. I just said, hey, some of you think you're saved and you're not saved, but the Holy Spirit bearing witness in your heart that you're saved, I want you to stand right now and declare that Jesus is Lord. There was no music, there was no big manufacturing moment. It was awkward as all get out. And that guy was the first guy to stand up with tears crying, crying out to the Lord. It's amazing. We want to see more stories like that. We want God's activity amongst us. We want the real thing. We want God working on people's hearts. We have a bunch of youth right now that are worshiping. The youth a week ago, they, they were meaning to go through their, their message and everything. And uh, the plan just went to the side because the kids wouldn't stop worshiping. For two and a half hours worshiping, crying out to God. We want the presence of God. And we want to stand out for it. So it says we're a well-watered garden. We're a garden. The church is a garden. I love this picture of the church, a garden. God's people are described as a garden. And a garden is different than any old field because it has order. Because there's intentionality. There's a plan. There's a purpose. It doesn't take a genius to see that is just an empty lot and that is a garden. There's order, there's structure, there's growth, there's death here, it's just tumbleweeds, and there's order. Everyone can see what is happening. And a garden is different than any old field because it has a gardener. There's a gardener. If we're talking about the church, God is the gardener. God is the great gardener. We see this in the passage, God will the activity is not what we can do. The activity is what God can do. God will guide us. God will satisfy us. God will strengthen us. It's God who is the gardener. He's removing the weeds. He's pruning. Even though it's painful, he's removing all the contaminants, anything harmful to us. He's doing everything that we need to thrive. He is the one that is doing the work. He's life and he's the gardener. And I think... This is something that we need to come to terms with. I think there's a correction that needs to take place in our hearts as leaders because God is the gardener and we're not the gardener. It seems to me like a lot of the encouragement we get as leaders is about what we can do and how good we can do things. When all throughout scripture, we're told that it's God's work. It's Jesus's church. Jesus builds his church. He's the one that's gonna do it. Is our trust in ourselves or is our trust in him? You know what this passage tells us? If he is the gardener, that means I'm not the gardener. What does that make me? That makes me a carrot in God's garden. That's what I am. 
So often we as leaders can get so full of ourselves and think we have a bigger role to play than we actually do. And I think we need to come to terms and allow some humility to come into our lives and just say, you know what? I'm a carrot for the glory of God. And you guys over here might be potatoes and you guys are beets maybe over here. What are you guys over here? <laughs> what God is doing is beautiful. Like that's what I want to see. I don't want to see how impressive we could be. I want to see what God can do. I want to hold out for the gardener who gives life to, to be active amongst us. It's his order. He, he's, he's creating this garden and it's beautiful and it's life-giving and it's compelling and it's better than anything that we can do on our own. Like, think about it. Can you have an impressive garden without water? No, you can't. It's just gonna be a dust. And that's the best we can do without God. It's like, God, we need you. God, we want you. God, would you work amongst us? And here's the context, verse 11. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. What's the context of this beautiful garden that God wants to build? It's scorched land. It's death. It's what's dying and decaying amongst us. It's desert, it's wilderness. Most people right now are describing as world is, our world is chaotic, confusing, discouraging. Most people polled are saying that as we look to the future, it's gonna get worse, not gonna get better. And so we're living in this context where a lot of people are going, what in the world is going on? A lot of people are confused in dark places. They don't have clarity and they're like thinking, oh my gosh, it looks like everything is hopeless. Is there any way that we're gonna get out of this mess? And in the middle of a scorched land, God wants to plant beautiful gardens. Beautiful gardens. And I think like so often right now, the church is talking about, man, these are chaotic times. These are crazy times. And it's put us on the back foot. I think right now is an opportunity for the church to shine brighter because people are in chaos and confusion and they're feeling the lack of hope, hope in their world. They're going, well, I can't trust my political leaders. I can't trust business and industry. I can't trust uh, technology. I can't trust anything. Nothing here gives me hope. And it's an opportunity for the church to be set apart as a well-watered garden and people who are desperate for water, who are parched, who are thirsty, who are desperate, they can see a well-watered garden. What is our role? Our role is to live in the life of God and flourish as carrots and turnips. This is what we wanna see God do amongst us. I think we have an incredible opportunity so we as a church, we're, we're pursuing the presence of God. Like that's what we're doing. We started adding worship sessions. So we started two in our weekly rhythm. I know some of you churches are starting to do that. We just wanna worship. We wanna pray. We wanna be people that know how to steward the presence of God as he comes among us and works among us, touches people's lives, changes people. It's 
what we want to see happen in the life of our church. Then we get to verse 12. We get four R's, which is great for anybody that wants to preach. You get four R's in verse 12. It's great. Rebuild, repair, restore, raise up. And I do think this is what God is wanting to do in the church right now. I think this is what God wants to do. God wants to rebuild and repair and restore and raise up. I think right now, God wants to do some amazing things in our churches. Verse 12, it says, and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. For the people of God in Isaiah's time, this meant actually building a building. But for us today, I think that God wants to do some rebuilding to the church. I believe he's calling people back to him and back to his purposes. I think that the church needs to get back to what Jesus originally intended for the church. I think the systems and structures that have been built that are contrary to what Jesus planned for his church need to be torn down. And I think there's a prophetic moment right now. People are leaving the church in mass exodus. And there's a reason for it. Because I think the church isn't faithfully, and I'm not talking about your church, I'm talking about the church, big capital C church in America right now. Maybe you agree with me, maybe you don't. We could talk about it afterwards. But I think it needs to be torn down. Some of the man-centric systems and structures that we have attached to Jesus' church that Jesus never intended need to be torn down and we need to identify those. I can't help but think that if you took a handful of the disciples in the early church, you took them and you did a little Star Trek on them and you beamed them to our current day, any average church in America, and you gave them some translation device. I mean, we're getting high tech here. And you put them in the church and you just let them sit in the church for a couple weeks. And you come back to them all impressed and go, what do you think? You guys were in the beginning. Now it's 2,000 years later. Look what we've done with the church. I can't help but think that they're gonna be discouraged and be confused. It's like, what are you doing? I think the church has lost much of what it's supposed to be. And so many critiques could be levied against the church rightfully. So many people's experience of church has come from dysfunctional churches. I, th I think I'm more passionate about this now just because it's becoming completely aware to me being in the context that we're in. I mean, it's sad to say there are more dysfunctional, unhealthy churches around us in our particular area than there are healthy churches. There are very few churches that I would ever recommend someone to go because bad moral failures, dysfunctional, unhealth. So many people have the wrong idea of what it means to be the church or what healthy church looks like. So many people are coming into the church don't even know what they should expect, what Jesus has in mind. So, so many people are leaving the church. I think the church is compromised, similar to what we see in Isaiah 58, religious motions, People going, acting spiritual, but their, their lives are not totally in alignment with God's pattern. So many churches have lowered the bar of what Jesus expects from his followers. So as a result, the church has suffered. The church is weak, and in many ways, the church is irrelevant. 
And so many church leaders have mishandled their position for selfish gain. They've abused, they've manipulated, they've stolen. And I'm, I'm passionate about this because we are talking to people all the time that this has happened to them and to try to walk them into a place of healing. And I wanna see the compromised, unfaithful version of church torn down. And we wanna see God's pattern and purposes for his church be restored. We wanna be a New Testament church. We wanna be a biblical church. Man, I wanna be a part of a movement where we see God rebuilding his church. And I think that's what we're doing here. We're gathering together and saying, God, we wanna hold to what the Bible has in mind for the church. We don't wanna make much of Jesus. We don't wanna just plant churches. That's not the solution. We wanna plant churches that are biblical and healthy. We wanna see a movement of God where this happens. And our hope and prayer is that we'd see an awakening. We'd see a renewal of God's people and we would see revival in our cities. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what our world needs right now. We wanna see churches that are biblical. Churches that have all of its members putting Jesus first. Not churches that are committed to celebrity pastors or, or church brands. We wanna see churches that are rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ, not religious works. We wanna see churches that are radically submitting to God's word, not questioning it, not making excuses for it, not compromising it. We wanna see churches that are stepping out in faith, trusting God for things only God can get credit for, not pragmatism, not man-centered energy. We wanna see churches that are empowered by his presence, not manufacturing hype. We wanna see churches that find their confidence in God, not self-reliance. We wanna see churches that are expressing love and grace of Jesus Christ, not proud and judgmental people. We wanna see churches that are boldly proclaiming Christ, not churches that are timid and weak and reluctant. We wanna see churches that participate together as God's family, not churches that are modeled after a corporation or a business. We wanna see churches that have all of its members rearranging and prioritizing their lives around being the church, actively engaged and participating, serving, caring, sacrificing, not just church attenders, not just consumers. We wanna see a church that makes much of Jesus and honors the name of Jesus, so much so that we as the church are a compelling witness where people say, yeah, I want Jesus. We wanna be the church that Jesus has in mind. And man, I'm, I, I'm not trying to discourage anybody here. I, I do think we need to come to terms with where we're presently at in our current cultural moment for many, in many ways. And I'm not pointing at any one particular church. I'm not just trying to beat up the church. But I do think we have to come to terms with the state of the church today and say, man, we, we got to turn. We, we got to see a whole movement shift. And we can be tempted to be discouraged as we look around. But man, I'm not defeated. I don't feel defeated. I think we should take courage. Here's, here's our confidence. Jesus is building his church, or maybe Jesus is rebuilding his church. And he's doing it with people that are willing to follow God with their whole hearts without compromise. Jesus isn't going to give up on the church. He's never gonna give up on the church. He's gonna continue to be faithful. He will rebuild the church. And man, I wanna be part of God doing that now 
in our time. I don't want to preside over the decline of the church for the next 30 years. And I want to be part of something where we see God's spirit activate Christians in churches and the church represent Jesus as he's intended. Verse 12, second R. You guys okay? You with me? All right, we'll go faster. Verse 12, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach. Walls are necessary for the security of the city. Without walls, a city is left totally vulnerable. I think this is somewhat of a prophetic word for the church today. Because if there's a breach, that means that the enemy could come in. If there's a breach, that means that there's not security. It creates insecurity. And if there's breaches and holes within the city that's meant to protect people, it leaves a whole city feeling fearful and anxious and insecure. I mean, we're pretty secure right now in the States. But if we're in Ukraine, in any one of the one of the major cities, we wouldn't feel secure. We'd feel vulnerable. And I think right now, the church feels vulnerable. I think within the walls of the church, there's a lot of insecurity and there's a lot of feeling of vulnerability. There's a lot of fear and there's a lot of anxiety. I think the chaos and confusion of the world has gotten broken into our walls and started to affect the spirit of our churches, the mood, the zeitgeist of our churches. Man, I think that God wants to repair our breaches. He wants to once again fortify the walls of the church because it's God who is our defender. It's God who is the one who is our refuge and our strong tower and the one that we run to. And it's God that we can put our confidence in. And I think we as leaders need to once again be gripped by the strength and the almightiness of our God. Where the cultural circumstances where the confusion and darkness of the world has begun to break in, I think we, we as in some ways, have turned our eyes from Jesus, who our confidence should be in. I think there needs to be a repairing of the breach. God is our fortress. God is our defender. And we as leaders need to lead the way within our churches. We need to lead the way and express confidence in our God to be bold about our God. I mean, our kids need to be growing up in churches where the adults with the leaders that are leading the way are expressing confidence and boldness in their God. Where they're not looking at leaders within the church who are insecure, fearful, and full of anxiety, but they're looking at leaders within the church who are remaining confident in their God. I mean, our kids need this. Next generation needs this. Verse 12, you guys with me? Is this all right? Verse 12, the restorer of streets to dwell in. God restores his people to be the people of God. These streets allow connection. Like if we're all living individualistic lives, we wouldn't need streets. 
But streets become the highways for us to interact one with another and the people of God start to act like the people of God where no longer we're just church attenders, but the church, the people of God are interacting one with another as God intends true fellowship as the family of God, as a city within a city, as a watered garden. God restores the life to a community where no longer people are individualistic, doing their own thing, but the body of Christ begins to act like the body of Christ. And this is what I think is compelling to the world right now. The world is looking for is relational connection, people who care, place where they could belong, a family that they could join. And we're a well-watered garden in the midst of a scorched land. Like we should have people flocking to our churches if we're doing it right. Verse 12, again, and you shall raise up the foundation of many generations. And this is a picture that's captured our eldership team. It's a picture of what God wants to do. I think as we've gone through COVID, as we've gone through difficulties, as we've faced hardship, like we kind of got on the back foot and in our timeline kind of gets shrunken. All we can focus is on is today. And we're like, man, I sure hope we pull off another Sunday. Man, we gotta make sure these people are all in their position. We're getting three phone calls. Children's ministry workers are canceling on us. The Smiths are going on vacation for the fourth time in a row. It's like, man, I sure hope we could pull this Sunday off again. Man, the mission isn't to pull off a Sunday. The mission is to see what God wants to do generation after generation after generation. Like what we are doing right now matters. Doesn't just matter for this Sunday, it matters for 30 years from now. And so our job, our job is to be the church, is to be carrots and potatoes and turnips. And like we are not the point. Like what God wants to do, what I believe God wants to do is he wants to be the gardener and, and for us to stop taking, putting the pressure on us and stop trying to manufacture all kinds of ways to grow and for us to just play our part and say, I am part of God's garden and we're gonna trust him and we're gonna trust for more of his life and activity amongst us in our church and we're gonna see God do something that we cannot do on our own. We're gonna see God build something that we cannot build on our own. We're gonna see a walk garden. We're going to see a city within a city that starts to change the dynamic of the city. See, people become compelled by the witness of the church. This is what I think that God wants to do. So this is what I believe is a prophetic word. And I want to encourage us in it. I mean, it's a prophetic word for one life. But maybe like you're sitting there and you're thinking about your church. I want you to think about your church because God wants to do incredible things in your church. And I want us to rise up in courage and say, God, like we've taken a lot of hits. And there's so many things in this world right now that are getting us pushed back and wanting to recoil and be reluctant and be insecure and be fearful. And I think God wants to change the dynamic, not because we're forcing some kind of boldness within ourselves, but because we're looking at the greatness of our God. Jesus will not be overthrown. 
Jesus will not be thwarted. Jesus will build his church and he will be faithful. And the future is secure. The end is certain. Like I think the church right now has an incredible opportunity to make a difference. As things go darker, then the church could shine brighter. God, would you do it amongst us? Would you do it in our churches here? Is our prayer. All right, would you please stand? I have had a sense that, and I'm, I'm hoping and praying, this is, this is not something I can manufacture or conjure up, but I just have a sense that, that God wants to release the prophetic amongst us. I believe that there's words that people need to hear, and it's through people in this room. I think there's some words that people need to hear about courage. I think there's words that people need to hear that would encourage them and build them up for the coming days and the coming years. And um, so I wanna give opportunity for that. I'm gonna hand it over to Tom in just a second, but I'm gonna pray. Um, you guys pray with me. God, uh, we come to you God, our time right now, place that we find ourselves in our current cultural moment, it's serious. God, I pray, Lord, that um, you would help us in this moment, that your spirit would begin to breathe life in all of our hearts. God, that there'd be a fresh wind that would blow of your life, of your presence, of your power. God, we wanna have joy that's unexplainable other than it comes from you. God, we wanna have strength that's unexplainable other than the fact it comes from you. God, we wanna be a well-watered garden. Thank you that you have good plans for your church. Thank you that you wanna do beautiful things through us. God, I pray, Lord, that you begin to restore our confidence in what you're planning on doing. Pray, Lord, that you'd restore confidence in, in our call to lead churches and to be in ministry. Pray, God, that you would restore right now a joy in what we're doing, a joy in the call. God, would you rise up hope in our hearts? God, I pray, Lord, that you would bring security and confidence, Lord, in Jesus' name. God, do a work in our hearts. Do in us something that's an unexplainable God. Release your spirit in us and through us. We wanna be a part of a church movement that's awakening churches and seeing the awakening of people's lives. Please, Lord, in Jesus' name.